I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, this is a, a group that has a lot of good leadership in there, and uh, they'll have to figure it out themselves. Right now, they've gotten a little bit full of, it's hard to be hungry when you're full, and we've been full for a little bit. Islanders country, hello. This is P.T. Isles, the Pitch Imperfect Edition. I'm Isles Boggs' Joe Bono. A reminder, you can subscribe to this show and every Lighthouse Hockey podcast on iTunes. Please rate and review or find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, are over at LighthouseHockey.com. Lighthouse Hockey, your SB Nation home for your New York Islanders coverage. Coming up, Bo's Twitter attempt at becoming Anna Kendrick's Bo, the backstory behind the infamous 2003 Santa brawl at the Coliseum, and Kiefer Bellows staying hot in Bridgeport. But of course, we first have to start with the Islanders falling to Robin Leonard and the Blackhawks 5-2 on Friday night. And it is official. The team is in a lull, a funk, a slump, whatever you want to call it. They are simply making too many mistakes, unforced errors in their own zone. And the goaltending, which was just so good in October and November, isn't making the key saves at the same rate. Or, you know, you can just say they've they've been bad. Thomas Grice is actually now 1-5 in in December. And um, one statistic, which is a big one for the advanced stats, is danger shots, high danger chances. And this courtesy of Eric Hornick. In the last three games, Islanders are 0-2-1, and they've had 42 high danger chances. They've allowed only 20, yet they've been outscored 7-6 to six in high, high danger chances. They allowed two uh, low dan- danger chances um, on Friday night in Chicago. That's the fourth time they've allowed that. This season, one and three in those games. 
So combination of other teams making the most of their opportunities, and that's how it seems that every mistake ends up in the back of the net, but that coupled with the fact that the goalies are not making the saves at the same clip, and then likewise, the Islanders are not capitalizing on their chances that they've had, uh, considering that they're doubling up their opponents in the last three games with high-danger chances. And uh, the net result has been that this team um, that had given up the fewest goals in the league throughout the season um, now has allowed eight goals to Nashville, five to Anaheim, and five to the Blackhawks, all Western Conference teams that are outside of the playoff race. Overall, the Islanders this season now 0-3-2 against the bottom four teams in the Western Conference, uh, which is just remarkable that they're losing games and then also giving up goals at this clip against those type of opponents. Now, um, one of the calling cards of the Islanders under Barry Trotz has really been their ability to shake off losses, correct mistakes, and and stop losing streaks. Um, But I think we can now say that this is the longest stretch under this coach where the problems have just persisted. Um, longer than we're used to. So, well, how do you fix it? Barry Trotz in the postgame said it's back to basics. We're not playing good hockey. We haven't for probably the last five games, and uh, there's no one who's going to get it, get us out of this uh, but ourselves. So well, we got to get back to some of our basic principles, you know, you know, in terms of our structure and our accountability in terms of to each other. And... Uh, you know, and, and more commitment. We we just you know you, you I didn't think we got a great a, a real good start by Chicago, but we, you know we weren't hard on them. We weren't going to people hard. We weren't you know, winning those battles, and and it ended up in the back of our net. So, thought second period we were a little bit better, and the third period we did, uh, you know, things that are, aren't predictable. And uh, for us to to have success, we've got to be all on the same page. And some guys are a little bit off on their own page, and and it's ending up in the back of our net. And we're getting no results, so uh, I don't like the way we're playing. Uh, I've told the guys as as much, and we'll get back to work tomorrow. So Barry Trotz hitting on some familiar themes in the last four or five games. The fact that this team is getting away from their predictability, from making the smart plays, and that you have too many too many guys on their own doing their own thing, and this team does not work. The Islanders do not work if not everyone is pushing in the same direction and they're getting that level of trust and that level of predictability across all four lines. Now, a built-in excuse for the Islanders um, in this game was the travel. Um, You're not allowed to travel before 11 o'clock after the holiday break, and the Islanders had to go out not to the West Coast, but out to the you know Midwest in Chicago. Barry Trotz made it known he was unhappy with with the scheduling. Islanders weren't alone. There were a couple other teams that had similar type of travel, but you know, not ideal that after a few days break, you have to travel the day of to get from New York to Chicago and then play a game that night. So not an excuse. You know, they did score the first goal of this game, and you you had uh, a good feeling after the Ross Johnson goal of the nice little pass, nifty pass from Josh Bailey, able to slide it past Robin Leonard. But then three goals allowed in the first period under a very short time, and then Thomas Grice once again uh, pulled in in favor of Varlamov. Um, More from Barry Trotz. Um, you know, I think this might have been the most damning thing that he said in the post game is that he basically called his players out saying that they have been looking for an easy game. We're trying to look for an easy game. Uh, we're not built that way. We're a team that I think for the most part 
prides ourselves in, in work ethic. When we were having success, every line is going, every line's committed, every line is is being predictable and, and, and just working. Right now, we're, we're, we're there's a lot of cheat in our game, a lot of swing, and we'll just go get that out. But this is a, a group that has a lot of good leadership in there, and uh, they'll have to figure it out themselves. Right now, they've gotten a little bit full of, it's hard to be hungry when you're full, and we've been full for a little bit. And much like most of us during the holidays, we're feeling a little tight in the belt as well. Barry Trotz has used that analogy before, basically saying, you know what, when things are going well and they're going well for such a good period of time like they did for the Islanders, it's hard to, you know, stay hungry. It's hard to uh, to be starved for success when it's coming to you, and sometimes it feels like maybe it's coming to you easier than it actually is, and that allows guys to maybe get away from the things that put the Islanders into this position to start with, but you know the reality of the situation right now is that you know that 17 game point streak, 15-0-2 that the Islanders went on, that all that good work that they did, it's almost completely evaporated when I look at the standings right now. Um, you know Barry Trotz uh, after the game said this, I think quote I think we're started the Christmas break a little early. We're not playing well, especially at home. The race is tightening. Any room we had has now gone away. We'll be in a dogfight until game 82, and that's what I told the guys. That's what I expect. I mean, when you look at the NHL standings right now in the Metropolitan Division, and granted this is the best division in hockey right now uh, as we approach the midway point of the season, five out of the eight teams that are in playoff position in the East all come from the Metro. Now 10 points behind the Washington Capitals, and then you look right directly behind the Islanders, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Carolina Hurricanes, all within three points of the Islanders for that second spot. So all that good work they did, now at the three-game losing streak, playing pretty poorly in their last five games, uh, most of that goodwill is now gone. And the Islanders better watch themselves. If this streak continues two or three more games, they might find themselves maybe not out of a playoff position, but could be as far down as fourth or fifth in the conference. Um, Anders Lee, the captain, also spoke after the game, echoing a lot of Barry Trotz's sentiments, and he knows it's up to the guys in the room to turn this around and do it quickly. We weren't as sharp, we weren't as hard as we needed to be, and um, that's been consistent a little bit here. We've had a, a tough stretch, and um, it's with, uh, within this room that we have to kind of check ourselves a little bit here and um, reset because uh, we're, not, we're not playing the way that we had been that got us to this point, and um, you know these last five games of uh, they haven't been they haven't been our our identity and we haven't played to to who we are and so uh, we gotta we gotta figure this out quickly. Anders Lee after the game his three game point streak came to an end in Chicago. Now one of the few bright spots on Friday night was Casey Zizekas scoring his sixth goal of the season and another shorthanded goal his third of the year. He now has five points three goals and two assists shorthanded on this season. And um, he said after the game, the Islanders, look, they're not playing Islander hockey and they have lost their identity over this stretch. Just, just mistakes in our own end that are, that are killing us, um, shooting ourselves in the foot and uh, we're not rebounding. We're, we're getting down on ourselves and, um, you know, we got to find a way to, to be heavy and, and play a full 60. We need everybody. Uh, that, that's the biggest thing with our club. And, when we have four lines going, we have all the D and, and goaltending. That's that's when we're dangerous, and uh, we're getting away from that. We're we're not playing Islander hockey, and it's and it's ugly right now. Casey Sezikis not holding back, saying that uh, things are ugly right now. Not playing Islander hockey, and whenever this team struggles, whenever things do get ugly, regardless of the 
reasons fans are going to start looking at the roster and the bottom six. And the reality is, is that, you know, this team is top heavy offensively, just like they were last year. But last season, they got 17 goals from Voltaire football. They got 20 goals from Casey Zizekas. Right now, you don't know if you're going to get any level of that type of production from anyone in the bottom six. You know, it's not coming from someone like Michael Dalcole. It's not coming from Leo Komarov. So when, you know, the team is not doing what they do well to win games, this becomes, of course, the glaring problem that the Islanders need to address. Arthur Staple and the Athletic had a Q&A with Lou Lamarillo uh, last week. Um, it wasn't a long Q&A, but he did get a couple questions in, and, um, you know, they were both geared around, you know, the trade market. And uh, he asked, you know, Lou, is it tougher to make in-season trades right now, given the salary cap? And, you know, Lou basically said, you know, due to parity, and yes, the cap numbers, it is difficult to make a hockey trade. But he also said this, quote, you can make a hockey trade for today, but tomorrow comes awfully quick. It's very t- tempting to just try and win today, but you want to sustain a group that can win over a period of time. So those things make it difficult. So you have Lou Lamarillo in his late 70s, very much worried for the future of the Islanders and saying, hey, we're not going to give up a Noah Dobson. We're not going to give up a Oliver Wallstrom. Maybe they won't even give up a keeper bellows with the way that he's playing and maybe not first round picks, but um, something's going to have to give when it comes to the Islanders. You you don't feel as if they're going to be able to uh, make a run in the playoffs unless they bring someone else into this group come the trade deadline. Uh, Lou ended up adding uh, when asked about, you know, is it easier to make a trade now with some of the assets they've been able to replenish during the, during the last couple drafts with the prospect pool. He said, quote, you never have enough. We'll make, Whatever decision is right, but we're not going to give the store away. There are trades we could have made, but certain players had to be part of it, and that wasn't going to happen. And I understand that. I don't think any Islander fan wants to move Dobson, Wallstrom, or even Keeper Bellows of the way he's playing right now. But at the same time, every year there are trades made at the deadline that are for a second and a third round pick or two-thirds, whatever it may be that don't kill you in terms of what you're trying to build for the future, but bring someone else into the room that maybe just has a little bit of a different dynamic. It, you know, it makes a statement to the guys overall that you're kind of going for it. Now I listen, I know that can be interpreted two different ways. Sometimes you don't make a trade and that says, Hey, we have confidence in this group that they can go all the way. And then sometimes you make a trade to say, Hey, we're all in for this. And um, there's probably an in-between there between going all in and, you know, mortgaging the future and giving away an asset for a rental that you would hate to do um, with maybe making some other move that's a little bit more under the radar that maybe Islander fans are thinking, but someone will become available that can help that bottom six group um, down the road. So uh, certainly something to watch. That that narrative is not going anywhere, anywhere regardless of how the team was playing. But again, whenever they struggle uh, like they have in these last five games, which they have mightily, despite the fact they're getting a lot of High danger chances that we talked about. They're they're giving themselves opportunities to score. When they're not finishing and not winning games, people are going to always look at that bottom six and say there needs to be an upgrade. The other plot line to this game was Robin Leonard against his former team, and uh, he played very very well. 38 saves on 40 shots, held up his end of the bargain in the matchup with Thomas Grice. He made all the saves uh, you'd expect him to make, and also made a couple of big saves in that second period, especially when the Islanders were pressing when they had that early power play. They had five shots on it, uh, one that came really, really close to going in. Uh, but Leonard came up big. 
Um, that could have made it a 3-2 game, maybe change things, change momentum. It didn't happen. And then, of course, um, Chicago gets the fourth goal early, early in the third period. He knew the game was over at that point. Uh, Leonard now 10-6-4 for Chicago. Uh, like I said, having a really good season. And um, listen, I think all Islander fans knew they wanted to win the game more than they wanted Robin Leonard to play well. Maybe a, a one nothing game in overtime or a shootout would have been good for everyone. Um, but um, he, Robin Leonard did, have, of course, have more nice things to say about the Islanders organization and the fan base before the game. Islanders fans are very special. Um, it's... Uh... You just see it with a whole, with a whole group, uh, with a with a whole team. You know, it's a little, it's a little bit more intimate uh, relationship than uh, uh, other teams uh, feels like sometimes. Uh, but again, I mean, they supported me from day one. Uh, that's kind of the biggest thing. Uh, and uh, no, they they've been uh, they've been great for sure. So just more good stuff there from Robin Leonard talking about you know the special relationship the Islanders organization and the fans have with him and. And, you know, he really hit the mark on terms of the intimacy uh, that probably doesn't exist in other markets and other franchises, not only with uh, the dressing room, because so many of the players have been together for such a long period of time that we've talked about that for many years now, kind of how close knit group the Islanders are. And maybe that also is, is helped by the fact of the community on Long Island and how it all works out. And then certainly the fan base, right? We're a different, unique type of fan base when it comes to professional sports, without question. You probably get a chance to, to know the players on a much more personal level with the New York Islanders that you would the New York Jets, New York Giants, New York Knicks, New York Mets, Yankees, et cetera. And, and that's special. And it's great that um, Robin Leonard recognized that. And I'm, I'm sure he'll get a very nice rousing ovation when the Blackhawks come to play the Islanders later on the season. But, you know, hopefully there's a, there's a different result this time around. When we come back, how a Frito-Lay commercial led to the Islanders' big social media moment during the holiday break. You're listening to P.T. Isles, part of the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back, P.T. Isles, Joe Bono with you. And if you were on Twitter at all during the holiday break, you noticed that the Islanders were a bit front and center, New York Post articles, BuzzFeed articles, and, and so forth, all because Anthony Beauvillier on Christmas evening uh, tweeted, Hi, at Anna Kendrick 47. Apparently, thanks to some investigative reporting by Brendan Burke uh, yesterday, there was a commercial that Anna started uh, that was playing in Beauvillier's basement with the family on Christmas, and uh, that prompted the tweet um, that he wrote, and uh, almost 40,000 likes and 3,500 retweets later, um, this got quite the momentum, and um, <laughs> on social media, um, you know, everyone's saying, you know, Bo, you got to shoot your shot, 
uh, quoting the uh, Wayne Gretzky uh, famous quote, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Um, and then really what, what kind of vaulted this into bigger status and then ultimately led to an Anna Kendrick reply was how Islanders country ended up acting as Anthony Beauvillier's wingman or his winger um, when it came to kind of building him up uh, to Anna Kendrick to see if she would uh, respond. Uh, here are some of the some of the best ones. Hey, man, thanks for letting me use your gear during the fundraiser. You helped the animal shelter to save tup, pup, save puppies. Your cup was way too big. But other than that, everything worked out fine. Uh, thanks again. Thanks for dog sitting for the entire animal shelter last week, a real one. That's for sure. Bruno Gervais, the ex-Islander, even got into the action. Uh, remember, Bo, when you saved me from a burning building, cooked me a seven-course meal and taught me eight languages. That was a great day. Our pal Andrew Graziano. Uh, didn't he also build an entire school in an underprivileged neighborhood and buy Christmas presents for every veteran who has ever served? <laughs> Another one, you can't forget the time he bought out the entire music park for the children of that school and even covered their snacks and drinks all day. And then... Um, one more. Uh, hey, dude, thanks so much for donating your kidney. I wasn't sure I was going to overcome my kidney failure, but then you came through and literally gave me an organ. You also paid for the entire procedure. I wouldn't be alive if it weren't for you. You're such a nice guy. So uh, that that went on for, for several days, and then uh, we finally got the Anna Kendrick reply. Uh, very, very nice, very cordial. These replies have been my entertainment for the last few days. Thank you all for regaling me with his true tales of this man's heroism. So it's not a no. It's not a no. Um, we'll see if anything else goes from this. But it did take off a life of their own, as only maybe Isles Twitter can can make happen. Um, but uh, a lot of fun with that. And then also a lot of fun last night um, in Chicago, as that a couple different times, uh, once when Anthony Bavillier hit the ice, they played Cups, the um, Anna Kendrick song from the movie Pitch Perfect. So um, a little fun during the holiday break. Of course, it'd be more fun if the Otters are winning games, but at least we're able to amuse ourselves when there is no hockey. Another uh, fun story, and this goes back 15, 16 years now. I just had never heard the behind-the-scenes tale of, of how this happened. Uh, most Islander fans at this point well know about the infamous 2003 Santa Brawl at the Coliseum. There was a promotion the Islanders were running where the first 1,000 fans dressed as Santa Claus, could come and be on the ice during the intermission, the first intermission before the start of the second period. And as we all know, uh, a number of Santa Clauses uh, took off their Santa suits and revealed Ranger jerseys, and then uh, some pushing and shoving, and everything started between the Islander fans that were dressed as Santa and the Ranger fans that revealed uh, their true fandom. Uh, but what I didn't know, even though I always had a sense that you know, was was this stage? Was this not stage? Was it done by the organization? Were they were these people plants? Were they actors? Were they employees of the organization? I always felt like something was up. I had just never heard uh, the full full story. And um, our old uh, co-host Alex Buddy Peck, who's out in Colorado watching Avalanche games and follow, and following the Islanders now, he sent me a tweet. Um, it was an old coworker of his, uh, a guy by the name of Andy Francis. And uh, it's a video of him uh, telling the story of what really happened. So here's the true behind-the-scenes story of what caused the Santa Brawl at the Coliseum in 2003. Part of the promotion was that uh, during the intermission, you got to go onto the ice if you were a Santa Claus and wave to the crowd. My friends who were Ranger fans 
they wore a Ranger jersey under their Islander jersey. During the intermission, when they had that promotion and we all came out onto the ice, they took off the Islander jerseys to reveal Ranger jerseys underneath. And now the whole crowd in the Nassau Coliseum starts booing them. So we started pushing them, and the crowd started cheering. So now the crowd is cheering us, pushing our friends, but they don't know we're friends. So now all these other Santa Clauses start jumping my friends, including, like, children, like, eight years old, are hanging off my friend's neck. And it created this whole ruckus and melee that delayed the start of the second period. It was on the news. It was on SportsCenter, and since then, the NHL has banned on-ice promotions with the fans. So, you're welcome, everyone. You're not allowed on the ice because of me. So, the Islanders ending all similar types of promotions around the NHL with that with that fiasco. And, uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense how it kind of then kind of blew up, right? So, some of his friends do it. They know that what they're trying to do. They're having a good time with them. They're roughhousing with them. They're pushing them. They're shoving them. But... The other Islander fans, their Santa Clauses, don't know what's going on. They start getting into it. If you look at the video, there's also like an eight, nine-year-old kid that tries to, you know, yank down the guy that has the Adam Graves jersey on. Um, and you could even see some Islander employees uh, working game operations uh, coming by, and they're taking it very, very seriously as well. So gladly, no one got hurt with that. Um, you know, it is a fun video. You could check it out uh, on YouTube from from many, many years ago. So 15, 16 years later, I finally find out. Um, how that all how that all started. Now, much of the Islanders' good news happening on the ice is happening in Bridgeport. Kiefer Bellows, of course, the Islanders' former first-round pick, has been playing exceptional hockey, now has nine goals in his last 12 games. He scored in five straight home games for the Sound Tigers. His goal to make it one nothing last night led to the Teddy Bears being showered down at Webster Bank Arena. And Bellows feels like he's been playing well all season, now getting the results, and his confidence, as you would expect, is getting higher. I'm confident. I'm shooting the puck a lot, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to make plays as well. And just, you know, right now the pucks are going in, and, uh, you know, I've been playing well the whole year, I feel like, and I've been playing confident. It's just a matter of time before those pucks were going in, and right now they are. And I just got to continue with what's working and, you know, continue the success my line's having. It's awesome playing with Dorito and McDonald. They're two really good skilled guys that love to work hard, so we have a good mixture right there. Obviously, anytime you score five goals in the game, it obviously boosts the confidence of everyone. You know, big game out of Coibolo, Lad, and obviously Corot, the goalie. And, you know, just all-around team game, we played a full 60 minutes. Even when we were down power play, I thought everyone, you know, contributed in any way they could. So it was a lot of fun. And anytime you get to beat a team that's at the top, it obviously boosts the confidence of your team. So Kiefer Bellows has now brought himself back into the discussion when people look at internal solutions for the Islanders to kind of Help this team with scoring. Um, it's it, you know nine goals in twelve games at any level is a, a very impressive, impressive feat. Hopefully he can keep that going, and uh, whether it's helping out the Islanders or becoming a an asset that's going to be looked at as valuable uh, for other teams. Either way, it's a big big plus for the Islanders that he's uh, regaining a lot of uh, that first round type potential um, that uh, so many felt he had when uh, the Islanders drafted him a couple seasons ago. Um, other good signs in Bridgeport. Andrew Ladd, of course, came back, played in that Columbus Blue Jacket game uh, for the Islanders, then was loaned back to Bridgeport, scored two goals uh, last night, and Josh Hostang even assisted on one of them. So, you know, they said that it was a you know a tough game, a tough game to uh, dissect in terms of overall performance for Andrew Ladd, but overall he you know has that veteran presence, he had that tenacity, um, so. Kind of get the sense that you're going to see him again. They want to continue to move in a more positive 
um, way in terms of how he's progressing in in Bridgeport. Um, you know, Lou Lamarillo also had some you know good things overall to say about you know Andrew and the and the role that he's playing in that Q and A with with um, with Arthur Stable. Um, you know, this is a guy that you know knows how to win games. He, he knows how to prepare. He's a responsible player. Um, you know, and, and, and ultimately he's, you know, he's on a schedule to come back. Um, and, um, you know, if he continues to perform in Bridgeport and the health is there, you know, <laughs> again, he's another internal option that this team is going to look at um, to see if um, he can help, help out at the NHL level. Um, also right now for the Islanders, you have Oliver Wallstrom playing in the World Junior Tournament. Had a really fancy goal against Germany in the Team USA win. Bounce back performance for them after losing to Canada, and it was, you know it was quite interesting. Um, also reading loose comments about what the original plan was for for Noah Dobson. Um, you know when the season started, um, I think they were expecting that you know he'd be here, be on the team. Um, they could do a conditioning um, to the American Hockey League, which is allowed despite his age, and then they could actually get him to the World Juniors. So. You know, there was probably a plan before the Thomas Hickey injury and then also the way that Noah has equated himself that, you know, they were going to be able to have him with the team, but they'll also have him play a lot more hockey uh, with a uh, loan to Bridgeport and then playing in the juniors. But because of the lack of maybe defenseman depth right now in the overall organization with that Hickey injury and, and maybe not uh, fully trusting the Sebastian Ajos and, and, and that next tier down, um, they decided just to keep him back, be the team seventh defenseman. And he's he's done just fine, you know. When there's been you know, injuries and people have been banged up, Nick Letty or Boychuk or Scott Mayfield has the flu. Dobson's come in and and he's played uh, he's played well. Now, my initial plan for this podcast was to reveal the top five regular season and playoff games of the decade as voted on by you Islanders country. Thank you everyone that filled out the survey. But I decided, you know what? Let's make that this. Let's make that its own podcast. Uh, maybe do it for the 30th, 31st, or 1st. We'll put it out there, and that way I can play the highlights from those games and also talk about uh, the games from my personal perspective for the games I was at with and kind of now a look back on, on what those games meant and, and some of the things that we may have forgotten about uh, those games as well and the events that uh, preceded and obviously came after uh, that and how they're look, looked at now in terms of Islander history. Uh, so we'll have that in a couple of days. Um, now, coming up for the Islanders, busy schedule over the next few days. Uh, Sunday night, a game in Minnesota, 6 o'clock start against the Wild, another team on the outside looking into the playoff picture in the Western Conference. That has not been a good matchup for the Islanders this season. And then New Year's Eve, 1 o'clock matinee in Washington, uh, a game that um, you know Islanders have probably had circled on their, on their calendar for quite a while. Uh, they'll look to get even with them and maybe creep up a little bit closer to them in the Metropolitan standings. And then the Islanders play the Devils for the first time on Thursday the 2nd. And then Saturday night, January 4th, Offside Tavern, Isles Buzz will be recording their show live from there. Dan Saracini of Islanders Anxiety Podcast will be there. I'll be there. And then you can stick around to the Islanders visiting John Tavares and the Maple Leafs 7 o'clock face-off at the Offside Tavern. Don't forget to follow at LHH Hockey for all the latest developments on this show and all Lighthouse Hockey podcasts. We'll talk to you in a few days, Islanders country. Good night.